I'm looking for an adult that's going out with him. And they're already in there. Thank you. Okay. I'm, I'm, th- I'm, you know, I'm thinking about them. Okay. I'm not just sending them out. I'm making sure they're okay. All right. Um, thank you, Camille, for that. Yes, I. Your children are being cared for and taught the word of the scriptures. Yes. Uh, we are so thankful for those of you who volunteered to do that, not only um, teaching, um, doing children's church, but our, our Sunday small group time at 9.30. Thank you for doing that and making sure our kids are equipped with, in the Word. And um, we thank you for assisting us parents in that, in that job. Um, if you would turn in your Bibles to Exodus 13. We're picking back up. We took a break from our study of this book to during the Advent season. Uh, but we are picking back up at Exodus 13. Um, we're about a third of the way through. Um, and uh, I hope you all have enjoyed. I've enjoyed just diving into this text, to this, this book. It's, you know, the, the first part of Exodus is probably, if you've grown up in the church, familiar to you. We got all the way up to... We, we ended like, it's like I planned it or something, okay? We ended right at the Passover and the Exodus. And that's what happened in Exodus 12. And uh, we see the final plague come, the, the Pharaoh sending them out and them going out. And, and God institutes this Passover, not to repeat the Passover event, but to commemorate it, a, a meal to commemorate what God did in the Passover in Egypt and his, this redemptive act. And, and so that's where we ended. So uh, let's pick back up, Exodus 13. We're looking, at, we're looking at verses 1 through 16 this morning. Before I read, let's pray yet again. Lord God, uh, we cannot really know your word, understand your word, apart from the help of the Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, the same Spirit who inspired uh, Moses to pen these words, to record these words, may you illuminate um, this, your, your word, and shine your light on it so that we may understand it, we may um, remember, devote it to our hearts, devote it to our minds, we may, that we may, um, be transformed by it. Um, we need your help, so do that. And help me to lightly um, explain, profess the good news we find here in Exodus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt out of the house of slavery. For by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Today in the month of Abib you are going out. And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which, is, which he swore to your fathers to give to you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. 
Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen with you. And no leavened bread shall be seen with you in your territory. You shall tell your son on that day, It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And it shall be to you as a sign on your hand, as a memorial between your eyes, that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this statute as it's appointed from time appointed time from year to year. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all the fir- all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons shall be redeemed. You shall redeem. And when in time to come your son asks you, What does this mean? You shall say to him, By a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a mark on your hand or frontlets between your eyes, for by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Um, I said this before, I'll say it again, Happy New Year to you. Um, we, uh, uh, Justin kind of touched on this a minute ago, but what is it we typically do in the new year? We make resolutions, right? We come up with things that uh, we need to do. We look back on the past year and focus on all the things we didn't do or didn't do well and resolve to do it right this year. Uh, this year will not be like last year. This year... I will get things right. Out with the old, in with the new, let's move on. This especially has been true since 2020, right? It's become a joke, right? Well, when, when, when 2021 came, everyone was like, oh, we're out from under the blanket of, the, of, of, of COVID where everything's going to be great and different. Uh, anyway. <laughs> But we do, we kind of buy into, as Justin prayed, we buy into the new and the, and the clean slate of the new year. And we get so focused on, on the future. However, I think we can be too quick to move on to the new. The past year wasn't all bad, was it? Are there not things we need to remember? That perhaps before we move on and make resolutions, we should take time to reflect. What, what, was this, what happened in 2022? What were the ways, especially as Christians, we need to stop before we move on and think, what, in what ways did God show His faithfulness? In what ways did God help us? What are some ways we can see that? That, we, that God showed us more clearly that He is for us and He is with us. 
Even in the hard things, right? You know? Instead of just kind of putting out of our mind the, 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 the struggles and the hardships we had, as Christians, we know that even in those things, God is at work. And it would be to our detriment to just forget and act like it didn't happen. We need to, even in the, the difficult things of the past year, we need to stop and think. We as a culture are too quick to move on and look to the new. We need to stop and we need to remember. And that is what God is making sure of in the text this morning, isn't he? He's making sure that Israel doesn't forget. Um, He's making sure that he gives them these perpetual signposts to make sure that that they don't move on from what just happened, ever. He wants this generation that's right here experiencing the Passover, going into the wilderness, and all the following generations to know and remember what He has done and to know and remember who they are. So I've got got two points this morning. Two points that I want us to to see that that are clearly in this text. First, He wants Israel, and I'm applying that to us as the new Israel, the church. He wants the people, Israel there, back in Exodus in the time of, of Moses, and He wants us to know that we were delivered by the Lord. We were delivered by the Lord, and secondly, that we were set apart by the Lord. We were delivered by Him, and we were set apart by Him. And those are the two points um, this morning. So first, uh, we see this in verses uh, 3 through 10. We were set up, we were delivered by the Lord. This is the third time now, if you've read Exodus, you can, y'all just take time to go back and read through verse 12. No, never mind. Uh, if, if you've read, if you remember, he, this is the third time he's talked about this Passover meal. And the Passover feast and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Like, this is the third time he's done it. And so why does God, why do you think he's saying it for the third time? Why do, I, why do we say anything over and over again? Uh, if you've got little kids, you know, right? For emphasis. Because you want it to get through. Sometimes it takes more than once, right? And it's true for God's people. It's true back then and true for us now. He keeps telling us over and over. He keeps assuring, like, you must do this. You must keep this time, this week, seven days, where you eat no leaven so that you remember. And what does he want them to remember? Why does he keep emphasizing it? He wants them to know and remember that I did this for you. That God is the one who delivered them. And he says it by a strong hand. I love that phrase, don't you? It was by a strong hand that God set you free, that delivered you out of Egypt. He wants them to, 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 to remember and to never get past this. And so even when you, when you get to the, the promised land, when you get to this place that I've promised, way back in Exodus 3, that when you get there, I want you to know 
remember and never forget who it was that delivered you. You know, uh, I think guys, we're really good at this. We're really good at, um, you know, remembering, you know, the glory days. You know, anybody in here remember... Remember, you remember the glory days? The days when you were, we were all young and we could do anything. We, we were, you know, we were fit and we, we, we remember, have these memories of things we did. And guys especially, will, you know, the stories will get more grand and our role in it will become bigger. And we'll, you know, we do that. You know, fishing stories, right? The fish was this big, but after 20 years, the fish was this big, right? You keep telling the story, the fish gets bigger. You keep telling the story, you knocked in more home runs than you really did. You keep telling it and you're, you, you remember... And sometimes, and I think this is definitely our fleshliness, our sinfulness, we remember ourselves playing a greater role than we actually did. This is the human condition. And God knows that this is going to happen. And if we keep reading the story, it does happen, doesn't it? It does. Note, note that it's, he's saying... When he tells him, I want you to do this. When he, he's, he's very specific. I want you to make sure you do this when you're where? In this land with everything you've ever wanted. When you've arrived in the promised land. Milk and honey and... Right? All the things. Your own land, your own home. I want you to stop once a year. And not just for a day, but for seven days. And not just, just decide when you get up that morning, but... For weeks, prepare by making sure there's no leaven anywhere around, not even in the territory. That takes more than just a day, right? I want you to make sure there's no leaven. And I want you to stop and I want you in this land of plenty, in this place of provision, in the land of promise, stop and be Deprived a little bit. Be, eat this unleavened bread and remember, remember, I gave you this. I set you free. It wasn't you. You didn't just wake up and earn it. You didn't earn it. You didn't, you did, it didn't belong to you. I, the Lord, gave it to you. It's important. It's important that you that you do this. And look what he says. He says, I want this to be um, as a sign to your hand and a memorial between your eyes. And he says it again as he's talking about, and we're going to come to this, to uh, as you uh, make redeem the firstborn. A sign on your hands and a and a and a symbol between your eyes. And and if you know anything about the, the Hebrew, the Jewish tradition, there's actually these things called phylacteries where they take these boxes and they take this text and other texts and put them in these boxes and they wrap it around their arms and put it on their, wrap it around their head and literally have this, this scripture on, between their eyes and on their hands during their morning prayers. There's no evidence in the scripture that was an old te- that was intended. I think this is more figurative, but it's to be so present to you, so so clear to you. Just you can't. How can you? How can you not see something? Be aware of something that's right here. And when you're talking to someone, if they had something right here, I'm going to see it. Right? 
Well, I said, I don't like to make eye contact. That's weird. But if I'm looking at you, I'm going to see that. And I'm going to be very aware of it. And you, everything you do, you have to use your hands. And so he's saying, I want it to be ever present before you. And everything that you do, not literally tie it to your hands and put it on your head. But, every, but remember this great truth of what I did. I, the Lord, delivered you. I set you free. But you need this sign, you need this, this symbol, you need to remember. So note when he wants them to do it. When everything's going well. When we kind of forget, we kind of just do life and feel like we kind of arrived on our own. Don't forget. And note who he wants to remember. Who is it he wants to make sure knows this? It's the next generation. It's the next generation. What we think, you know, the, the church is focused so much on, rightly so, on evangelism. And by the way, that's something we want you to do. We want you to make disciples. That's the mission of the church, is to make disciples. And that's our mission. We, we want that here. We're doing that here. But I think what's so often forgotten in the church is, first and foremost, we're to evangelize. Make disciples of our children. That, that we, adult people with kids and adults here in this church and in the church at large, is there, we should be living in a way that's distinct. Living in a way that's unto the Lord. That's, that's where we, we do weird things like show up to church every Sunday. We do weird things like pray in the morning. Pray in the evening. That we, we, we're, we're distinct enough that kids go, why are we do this? Why are you like that? What, what's going on? And you see here, in, in, that he's, he says, I want you to make sure you do this because there's going to be a point where the next generation will come along and not understand why in the world we eat flatbread for a week. You know, and, you, and the thing is, you, you hope they ask the question. That they don't just go, well, this is just the week we eat flatbread. No leaven. But you want them to go, why do we do this? And then you have the opportunity to give account of the hope that's within you. To give account, give a testimony of what the Lord has done. And the, and the, and the, the parent and the adult is to tell the son, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. Notice how personal that is. Not what he did for Israel, what he did for me. This was not just, I'm, I'm one of the crowd, but even here, there's this corporate Israel, but even here, as, you give, as he gives testimony to God's faithfulness, he set me free. He loves me. He redeemed me. And he's redeemed you too. We are his people. And He is faithful to us. There is, remember how it is, Israel. It's what God says. How it is you came into the promised land. Remember how it is you, you escaped from, from tyranny and slavery of Egypt. Remember it was by the Lord's strong hand. And, and for you and me, it's the same. As we, as we go into this new year... 
Again, what is it? The, 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 the tendency is to do what? Is to think, how am I going to do better? How am I going to get things right? How am I going to right the ship? How am I going to lose weight? That's a question I'm wondering. Y'all can help me with that. It'd be great. Anyway, but how am I going to... What? How am I going to... Lo- you know, let's start with, what has the Lord done? How is it that I, I can stand here before you, yeah, broken and a bunch, you know, bundle of anxiety at times and frail and fragile, but inside this fragile jar is the treasure of the gospel that, that I stand here before you, loved by the Father, redeemed, set free. And, lo- and I'm saying that to you, and there are times I don't feel it. But I'm so glad God's Word, as I just said, every time I read, what? The grass withers and the flower fades, or the, wor- the Word of God endures forever, that this is more true than my feeling, that this is more true than my thoughts. This says to Israel, I have delivered you. I have done it. And when, you, when your kids say, why are, we, why are we different from the rest of the people? Why are we not like the, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, all the other ites? Have your kids ever asked you that? Why are we not like them? Because this, by the strong hand of the Lord, He delivered me. And for you and me, it's, it's, it's a better redemption, isn't it? It's a better deliverance. It's not from Egypt. It's not from making bricks. It's from the slavery of sin and slavery of death. We've been set free through the blood of the Lamb, the blood, the Passover Lamb, capital T, the blood of the, blood of the Lamb, the Passover Lamb, Jesus Christ. That's the historical event. That's what we point to. And again, just like, just like Israel, we have these days. We keep the Sabbath. And we gather together to praise Him. For He, by His strong hand, has set us free. He has done it. We, we set aside a time of commemorating, of, 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 of remembering that God came into the world on Christmas. We set aside as, you know, not just one one Sunday, but four Sundays where we think about and meditate on and revel in the goodness that God became man so that He could take away and pay for the sins of all His people. We do these strange things. We, 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 we do these practices. We, we, we have these signs. We have these seals. We have the sacraments. And we'll go into that a little more in a minute. But to what? To point to the fact of what God has done for us. We have been delivered by the Lord. And kids, we want you to know that. We want you to know that. That's what they're being taught in that room back there. Kids, if you're in here right now. Kids, children, listen. Ask your parents questions. Parents, be ready to answer the questions. If you're not sure, come talk to me. We want you to be ready to answer these wonderful questions your kids are going to ask you about why we are distinct and why we do these things in the church. Because by the strong hand of the Lord, He has delivered us. By the cross of Jesus, He has delivered us. That is what He has done. Second, 
thing I want you we need to remember is that we are set apart to the Lord. We want to remember what, what He has done for us and remember who we are in Him. You, we see at the very first verse, it says, The Lord says to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. And, and he, he, he pauses there to reiterate the unleavened bread feast and, and what's to be done there. And then he picks back up in 11. Uh, when the Lord, when Yahweh brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. And, um, you know, this is another way God wants to um, point to what He has done. wants to make sure that His people remember not only what He has done, but who they are. Um, when, we, when we read this, it, it sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Consecrate all the firstborn. Um, set apart all the firstborn to the Lord. And then you read about sacrifice, and then you read about donkeys and breaking their necks. And, and what does it mean to devote or to give over the firstborn to God? It almost sounds a little, dare I say, pagan, like you mean like a sacrifice? What? Give a, a child a, a sacrifice to get what? What does it remind you of? It reminds you of if, if you're thinking, if you've been reading the scriptures, if you've read Genesis, it reminds you of what? Abraham and Isaac, doesn't it? You remember that? I I uh, I scarred one of our kids in the church. Um, <laughs> We were doing a VBS about four years ago, and we were doing uh, you know, the sacrifice of, of Isaac, and I was playing Abraham, and I think it was Nathan or Joseph was playing Isaac, and I had a butter knife, and we were up here, and I was like, getting ready to bring the knife down, and, and you know, then God said, no, it was, it was a skit, right? And so, but one of the kids, I, um, they here? No, they're not. But for a while, there was like. Pastor's about to kill his son. Like it really kind of. It took him a few months to realize that was, you know, I was safe. Anyway, but really what's what's being shown there, and also what we see happen again in, in Egypt is sin, rebellion. Deserves what? God's rejection. It deserves punishment. It deserves God's wrath. But in, on that altar, as Abraham's most treasured possession, as all he is, all that he's lived for, this promised son, the future of his line, that all the one who would re, who would inherit all that he has, this. As, as Keller talks about in Counterfeit Gods, that, that Isaac was more than just his son. It, was, it symbolized all he would ever be, all that would come after him. As God take, Basically, it was God saying, all that you are, Abraham, needs to be put on the altar. And he's about to bring the, the, the knife down. Because, but God says, no, I'll, I'll provide a substitute. And, 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 and you see the beauty of the, the symmetry. And, and in, the, in the Passover, God says, 
for the first time, we have all these, all these, all these uh, plagues and all these things that befall Egypt, but, but they don't touch the Israel. But this final one, he says, I, I'm asking you, to, you need to do something. That all the firstborn, all the heirs, all that would come next for, 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 Egypt, for the Egyptians, all the firstborn are going to die. But for you, for you, Israel, I'm going to give you a way to a substitute. You can, you can find that perfect lamb and you can sacrifice that lamb and you can eat that lamb and then and put that blood over your door and all your firstborn will be spared. I'm going to let you redeem your firstborn. I'm going to let you offer a substitute. So instead of judgment, instead of wrath coming... Through the substitute, it says the firstborn is given over. Actually, what it says in verse 12, look at verse 12. You shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. Actually, literally in the Hebrew, it says, and you shall pass over to the Lord all the firstborn. And so it, it's, to, it's not... It's not passing, it's not a sacrifice anymore. It's a giving over. I'm trusting, I'm giving the firstborn to the Lord. My, the firstborn belongs to God now. That's the, that's the picture. And yet there was a price to be paid. But that price was by God's grace and by His mercy that a, a substitute can be offered. And again, you know, why is He talking about donkeys here? <laughs> It's kind of weird that, you know, he singles out people, makes sense. But why donkeys? Well, you know, this was probably the most used, uh, unclean animal that, it, that, the, that the Hebrews used. You know, they had people on donkeys and they probably brought donkeys out of Egypt and put their stuff on it. So the donkeys served a purpose, but they're also not clean animals. They're not animals that can be offered as a sacrifice. But they were useful, right? You ride them, you can... Put your stuff in it. It was quite, you know, like your car. But I think it's also there to show that if there was no sacrifice given, what had to happen? That animal had to die. That without sacrifice, without the substitute, there's death. But through the substitute, the firstborn are passed over and given to God. Romans 8, 29, it says that Christ is the firstborn of many brethren. God wanted this to continue for this sacrifice to be given. He wanted it to continue to generation after generation so they wouldn't remember along with the feast, the Passover feast, along with eating unleavened bread, what has God done? But remember who you are. And who you are is a people that belong to God. You belong to Him. And He wanted that son, as you saw his other kids or other family members being, that sacrifice being brought to the tabernacle and then to the temple. He wanted them to go, why, why, why do we do that? Because the firstborn that represents each family, 
they belong to Yahweh through a substitute, through a sacrifice. They have been bought back by God. You, we have been bought back by God. And again, not, not quite by accident, as I, we preach in Advent, what is one of the things that Mary and Joseph did? They brought their baby, their firstborn, to the temple for this very thing. They brought their baby, many babies, just like that. We're probably there. Just a temple full of babies, people being born every day, bringing their payment to redeem this son. And in that day, Simeon, if you remember, Simeon, through all those parents and all those babies, sees in the crowd and says, This is my Savior. This is the Messiah. This is the one I've longed to see. This is the firstborn son. And though, yes, because they were obeying God's word, they brought a redemption, a sacrifice, but he's the one that would redeem all of his people. He's the one that, he wouldn't receive a substitute, he would be the substitute. And so this morning, I want you to see and and be reminded of not only what God has done, but also who you are. And that through Christ... Whether you are the first to be born, whether you are a, a man or a woman, we are all firstborn. He says he's the firstborn among many. Now, he's the only firstborn, but through our union with him, but because we are united him by faith, we are all firstborn of the Lord, and therefore we all belong to him. In Hebrews twelve twenty-two, it says, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels and festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. And to God, the judge, to the spirits, to the righteous made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. He refers to what us, to the church, as the assembly of the firstborn. Why do we need to remember this? Why do we need to read this and know this? How does this apply to you and me? Because so often, not only do we forget, do you forget what God has done for you and how it is you've been saved, but you forget, you forget who you are. That all of us struggle with spiritual amnesia, do we not? Who am I? I'm a son. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm a pastor. I'm a lot of things. But who am I primarily? I belong, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a redeemed of the Lord. Who are you? You're a lot of things. You've got a lot of things you do. A lot of various callings you're fulfilling. Yes, all from God. And you can be faithful in those. But even the good things you do and the good things that you are and the roles you play, you are first and foremost redeemed the Lord, consecrated, set apart for Him. And, And normally when we talk about being set apart or being consecrated or made holy, we talk about that a lot here at this church. It's really, it's one of the, you know, it's, it's a, when we talk about sanctification that way, we're talking about progressive sanctification, that we would grow in our holiness. And we do. 
That's why I love my, my, you know, what do I always say at the end of the service? If you've noticed, I use the same benediction. It's my favorite one. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know, we who are in the wilderness, we who are in the in-between, that is God is the one who's, who has saved you, who has justified you, and is drawing you to himself and conforming you to his image. And that will be complete when what? When Jesus comes. But here... He's talking about this other sense of sanctification where we are set apart as His own. We belong to Him. You belong to the Lord. Through the substitute, through redemption, we have been passed over to Him and, it's, and, he's, and we belong to Him. Now, you know, we say belonging... When we say belonging, that sounds kind of like this phone belongs to me. It sounds possessive. It sounds almost negative. But it's not. It's not how it's meant here. If you've, know, you've known me for a while now. I've been here five years. If you've known me, you notice that I like to hold babies. I like to hold babies, right? I like, I like that. I don't know why. I just do. I do. Because uh, I, like, I love your kids. And I love that we have kids here. And I love, you know, and if, they're, if they're quiet and sleeping, it makes you feel good. If they start crying, I hand them back. But, they're, you know... I love your kids, but also, but when I hold that baby, you know what it does? It makes me remember of my babies. When mine were little enough to do that. I mean, it really does. It reminds me of when these kids that belong to me, not possessive, not as a possession, but when I could just hold these little treasured treasures in my arms. Nathan. Uh, Lily Fran. Joseph's there, yeah. I used to be able to hold Joseph. Can you imagine that? Anyway. But um, it reminds me of that. And I want you to think, think about that as the firstborn is passed... The language is really passed over that, that God's just kind of going, here. Not possessive, your mind. Do what I say, but... Those babies being devoted to the Lord, belonging to the Lord. And we're all... That's who we are. The firstborn, through Christ, being given to Him, belonging to Him, cherished by Him. And, and we need to remember that. And because of that, we need, that changes the way we see God's love for us and our relationship to Him. I, be, I belong to Him. But also it changes the way we see our life that because we belong to Him, we are to serve Him. That our life is to be given in service to Him, not... Not in fear that He will let us go and drop us, but because He will never let us go. That we keep, we keep this, we, we, we obey the Word. We keep these patterns. We keep reminding each other who we are and what God has done. We do that and we baptize these babies as we, in a sense, still... As parents, devote them to the Lord. Recognize that it's by God's sovereign grace and faithfulness that, that this covenant extends to these little ones. And, it, and it's also through this supper, as we were reminded, that it's the work of the cross that set us free, not our works. It's the work of Christ. The Lord has delivered you 
the Lord has set you apart for Himself. And you and I, we belong to Him. His firstborn, His treasured possession, His people forever. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank You for this, Your Word. And... Lord, let this truth be as a mark on our hands and as frontlets frontlets between our eyes. That we would remember by your strong hand, you, our God, our Heavenly Father, gave your Son to die. That you, by your sacrifice, Lord Jesus, you tore the curtain in two. And only through your strength and might, through your sacrifice, you have brought us out from under slavery, slavery to sin, slavery to death, and into communion with you. Lord, may we, may we not forget these things as we move forward into the new year. And may we be faithful to give account of the hope that's within us to all that come before us, but especially to our children. Help us to live as those that belong to you. And help us to have joy and rest and peace because you have us and you will never let us go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.